God. We'll know more about how to trust him once we get finished with the message tonight. And I'm so excited to see what we're going to hear tonight. Brother Dana Williams, so so good to have you with us tonight. If you're going to preach to us, his wife Esther, they travel and they're hardly ever home. Where's home? Alabama, yeah. Sometimes I guess he asks that question now, where's home? But we're so happy. We're going to our heavenly home. And we're so excited about the, about the journey. Some of the best things I've ever done is not only a destination when you get there is great, but I like the journey, don't you? I like the journey, the journey toward home. That's your buddy. Well, I think we're pilgrims and strangers down here. But I'm glad that we got a place that we'll be able to call home forever. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 Samuel in chapter number 15. And uh, we're going to uh, read a couple of verses to begin with as we deal with that Old Testament king, the first king that Israel had by the name of Saul. And... uh, There are three passages that I'll read some scriptures out of. I won't do you like one fella. He said, take your Bible, turn them to anywhere you'd like. I'll be by there directly. (laughs) But uh, we've been emphasizing this matter of uh, little. And I would say that if you can embrace and if you can relate to the little that God has for your life, He'll take care of all the big stuff. As someone else has said, if you can stay little enough, long enough, God will make you big enough, soon enough. Don't you like that? And I want us to notice uh, this character by the name of Saul and what Samuel said to him. In verse number 17 of 1 Samuel chapter 15. At this text, Samuel has been told by God that Saul's not doing right. And so he has sent him to Saul to give him a word. And notice what he says in verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. When thou wast little in thine own eyes, the Lord put you over. You see, if the Lord's ever going to do anything big, he's going to start little. If he wants to kill a big giant, he'll start with a small, smooth stone. If he wants to move a mountain, he'll use the faith of a small grain of mustard seed. If he wants to slay an army, uh, he'll use uh, just a few 300 men. If he wants to feed a multitude, he'll use five loaves and two fishes. And if he wants to do something big, he'll start where things are little. And I noticed that there was a time, and we'll go back, to chapter 9 and find there was a time when Saul was little in his own sight. Then notice in verse number 26, if you will, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Even a little Saul is much when God's will is in him. 
And when we pick up with Saul, we find him under. I use the word under. I mean by that he is humble. He is submissive. And he is, key word, obedient. Look in verse number uh, 21 of chapter number 9. We can see how Saul feels about himself. It is in this verse that he is responding to Samuel concerning being made king. He doesn't feel qualified. He doesn't feel up to the task. Oftentimes I'll have someone say to me, Preacher, I feel so insignificant and so small. I say, well, that can't hurt you. What will hurt you is when you begin to feel big. Verse 21, And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou to me? He seems to, when we pick up with his life, he seems to be so submitted and so submissive and so obedient to those authorities that God placed in his life. This is the group from which God chooses and uses his people. He goes amongst those who have humble hearts. Even in the qualification of revival, 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, If my people which are called by my name shall... Humble themselves. Contains within it the spirit of meekness and submissiveness and obedience. And Saul is in this group when we pick up with him. We notice in chapter number 9, his conduct seems to emphasize that he seems to be under those authorities God places in his life. In verse number 1, the Bible said, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. And verse 2 said, He had a son whose name was Saul. So Saul has a daddy whose name is Kish. And when we are introduced to Saul, we're introduced to him obeying his father. The Bible said he was a choice young man, a goodly. There was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. It is here we pick up on his very character. Good and goodly and choice. And chosen of God. Why? Because he's under authority. That's where God gets his servants. That's where he uses his people. He will go in amongst those who have a sense of littleness and unworthiness. And here he is under the authority of his father. Because in verse number 3, the Bible said, In the asses of Kish, Saul's father were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of the servants with thee and arise. Go seek the asses. And he passed through the mount of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalassah. But they found them not. And they continue on to try to find them. Verse 6, and when they were come to the land of Zeph, Saul said to his servant that was with him, come and let us return, let us, lest my father leave caring for the asses and Take thought for us. Here he's under that that first and primary authority in anybody's life, and that is the authority of the parents. And I say to you in this day and age, that it seems as though that that is absent anymore. 
in the home. As a matter of fact, the government wants to prosecute the parents if they demand authority of the children. But I'm going to tell you, if those children do not learn authority to the parents, they're not going to bow to the authority of the legal system or the law and the government, nor will they submit to God. We are raising a rebellious nation in our schools and on every level because there is no submission and obedience to authority. And where there is no submission and obedience to authority, there is no humility. And where there is no humility, you're left with one thing, and that is pride. And God resisteth the proud, but He promises to give grace to the who? To the humble, to those that are willing to be under the authorities that God places in their lives. He is under as a son to his father. If you'll read on down, you'll notice that he comes in contact with Samuel, the old prophet. And uh, verse number 15 said, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people. And of course, in verse number 17, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. And so Samuel takes him aside in verse number 27. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of the Lord. And if you'll read the rest of the chapter 10, you'll find that every instruction that Samuel gave him, he obeyed. And so we find him as a son under the authority of his father. We find him under Samuel as far as the word of God. He is under he is under the authority of the Word of God. And then in chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over the inheritance? So it seems as though that in every situation and position in his life that he is willing to bow to his father. He is willing to bow to the word of God. He is willing to bow to the man of God. He is willing to be under the spirit of God. His, his whole life is one of submission, one of humility, one of meekness, and one of subjection. And my, what a company that uh, he keeps because of that. As I began to muse through the text, I thought of the other great men that God raised up because of their humility. David said concerning himself, who am I? Isaiah said the same thing, basically, woe is me. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles. And then it was Jesus himself who humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. God is interested in using those who will get under His authorities in their life. And I want to say unto you that if you are God's child, He will have placed some divine authorities in your life. And if you will submit, if you will willingly bow, if you will obey then God will do for you what he did for Saul when he was little in his own sight. Who knows how high God will raise you if you will be willing to get down. Who knows how big God will do works through you 
If you will be willing to be little. If you will simply submit as is the responsibility of all of us. As the Bible said to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so as a result of that we find Saul who is under. He is submissive. He is little. And the first thing that God says to Samuel is I want you to take that boy that seems to be so small and little within himself and I want you to put him over. Isn't that amazing? I want you to find somebody that's under and then I want to bring him over. Now the problem is, is that we like to be over some things. We like to run some things. We like to be in charge of some things. Especially our own world, our own life, our own circumstances. But it doesn't work that way with God. When it comes to the spiritual realm, God will only put over those who are willing to be under. I was coming out of a church oh, a year or so ago. Two very healthy men standing at the door. Looked like they could have been front linemen for the Dallas Cowboys. Their daddy was much smaller than they and was standing beside them. I took a look at them, both of them in their 30s, I assume. And I looked at the father jokingly and I said, I sure hope you did all the instructing and so on with these boys when they were little. Because, implying how big they're too big now. And one of them turned and looked at me and I, I noticed the expression on his face and his eyes began to fill with tears. And he said, preacher, if my daddy wanted to whip me, I'd lean over this pew right now and I'd let him whip me. I said in my heart, boy, I don't know who you are, where you're from, but I know this much. God is going to take you places because you're willing to be under. And those who will get down, God will raise up. And it is illustrated throughout all of the Word of God, but especially with Jesus who came all the way down even to the grave. And because He was willing to go so far down in a needy world, God raised Him up and gave Him a name above every name. But good news, when He raises somebody up, He don't just raise them up. He raises some things up with them. And when he raised Jesus up, he raised me up, and he raised you up because he was willing to get down. And can I say to you, it's easy for us to sit around and talk about how bad things are, maybe in our families or with our children or with our brothers or sisters or with, with our community, with our town, with our city. With our... But I want to tell you, if God ever does anything in Asheville, North Carolina, if God ever does anything in your family, if God ever does anything in this church, He's going to do it because somebody was willing to get down and get under the situation and bear the burden of that situation. And once they did, God was able to raise them up. And when He raised Raise them up. He will raise that son up. He will raise that daughter up. He will raise that sister up. He will raise that brother up. He will raise some. He will always raise some things up. If you want things to turn and change, get down, and God will be the one who will raise not only you up, but He will raise them up also. And so I noticed that Saul is under. He said, "When thou wast." Little in thine own sight. I don't know about you, but my greatest struggle in life is battling this thing of pride from time to time, of wanting to be more than what I am and what God made me, and leaving that up to Him for whatever He wants to do, and simply realizing that I just need to find the low place, and I need to be humble in His sight. 
in all situations. Saul is under. Saul is under. And thank God, thank God, that anywhere you find things raised up, what you will know is that somewhere close by, somebody got down and got under. It may be a mama, it may have been a grandmama, it may have been an uncle, it may have been a daddy, it may have been a sister or a brother. But anywhere you find that there has been a work of grace and something has been given life, something has been resurrected, you just mark it down. There was somebody close by who was willing to be the servant in the issue and willing to be little in God's sight and in their sight also. So we find that Saul is under, but God has brought him over simply because he is obedient. I'm glad for every preacher that God has, has allowed to have an effect on my life that, that I don't understand the fullness of all of it, but I do know this, that there had, that, that somewhere along life's journey, they were willing to get under. And God brought them up and put them over. And they had influence and impact upon other people's lives. I was thinking about Brother Roy. Enjoyed that great fellowship, but I have great respect for your pastor. I'm going to tell you, the things that go on around here is not because he's chief. It's because he's been willing to get down and get under. And then what God has done without even his own effort has raised him up. And I sense, I sense as he is amongst you and in your midst that that you have great respect for your man of God because God has placed him there, but not through haughtiness and pride and self uh, uh, self-exaltation, but because he's been willing and still willing to get under. Get under. And when God raises him up, he helps you and raises you up also. So we find Saul under, and the Lord brought him over. He wants some folks that he can put over so he can work through them to, to, to raise up some situations in this old world as Christ did. And you are the one he wants to use. But now I want to move from chapter number 9, and sadly I want to go to chapter 13 and then back to chapter number 15. Because what we're going to notice is that through a turn of events, that when God brought him up and put him over Israel, put him over the nation, put him over the people. Somehow he became independent of God. Somehow he began to be lifted up. And there is that danger. Uh, I think about Daniel, how he told the king Nebuchadnezzar, he said, King, I've had a, uh, I've had a, A nightmare of a dream about you because of your pride. And if you don't humble yourself before God and stop taking credit for all this and realize that God has given this to you, He's going to bring you down. And the scripture said that He stood out one day and looked out over His, uh, palace and over all the, the, uh, city there and He said, look what my hands have wrought. And God Almighty in spirit turned Him into an animal that roamed around like a beast for seven long years. And when He came to Himself, He realized that that was His problem. He got haughty. Saul is given a preeminent position in Israel because he's humble, because he's obedient. But now he becomes lifted up and and he becomes proud and he becomes obsessed with this matter of being king and being ruler. And it's almost like now, instead of letting God let him be king and ruler in the sight of the people, he is demanding that they respect him. He is demanding that in every area 
that they exalt him to the place of being king. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If God puts you in a position and you keep on honoring him, you won't have to break somebody's arm to make them respect your position. You will always be father and they will respect you as father. You will always be mother and they will respect you as mother. You will always be the grandfather, grandmother, they will respect you as that. That You will always be that figure that God has extolled and God has placed there to minister to them and they will always see you as that. But once you go to conniving and you go to forcing and once you go to trying to to hold on to your position, the moment you try to hold on to it, understand you already lost it and there's a reason why you've lost it. It is because, and here's my word, you started with obedience and you were submissive. And you were humble, but now, but now you have disobeyed. And you have risen up, and you have taken charge in and of yourself. I like what B.R. Lakin said. He said, you know, sometimes in your church what you need to do is you need to take one of your officers or teachers or something and just demote them, just off the cuff, just say, you know what, you're demoted. And he said, then if they get mad, that proves they shouldn't have been promoted to start with. <laughs> the problem with Saul now is he cannot handle this position, this authority that God has given him. Reminds me of one of the kings in, in the, the Chronicles, the Bible said, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. When it was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. We cannot afford to have proud, lofty, and lofty hearts. God has placed us there because He wants to work through us, but He cannot work through that heart that has become independent of God Himself. You see, when we first find Saul... He is under and God brings him over. You get that? He's under, God brings him over. I love it when God puts that spirit of authority in someone's life. Because I'm going to tell you, your children need that spirit of authority. The sheep need that spirit. We all need somebody over us. He is under and God brings him over. But here's 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 what happens. Notice the way I word it. He's under and God brings him over. Get this. But there comes that point in time through his pride and haughtiness, he gets lifted up. And what he does is he gets over being under. He gets over being under. He becomes large in his own sight, instead of little in his own sight. I do not want to do that. Pray for me that I do not do that. I do not want to feel as though that it is some success of mine that I preach or some success of mine that I go in and out. I realize I came from nothing and I'm still nothing. And what I am, I am by the grace of God for whatever measure it is. And may you realize that in an individual way, whoever you are, and God help you as a church to realize that. I'm going to tell you, I don't know that I go anywhere where the people are more friendly and more receptive and I enjoy preaching anymore. And I'm going to tell you what a meticulous and marvelous and majestic facility God has given you. It's almost like He has raised you up and put you over some things. But don't ever get over being under. Don't ever forget you were little and don't ever get over being little at heart. There are those people in Scripture that that became like Saul also as Nebuchadnezzar was or as the Pharisees were. I thank you, Lord, the one that prayed that I am not like this sinner. Or Diotrephes. Diotrephes, who loveth to have... Oh, does your heart sting you when that happens? 
loveth to have. Oh, God forbid. Because I feel that in my heart at times. Loveth to have the preeminence. God, keep me from that. Saul, Saul, God placed you there. Let God keep you there. And never, never get beyond where you come from. Never get over the things that God had you under. You can see it. You can see it in his deception. You can, you can tell it. You can see it coming through his demeanor and most of all through his disobedience. Now let's go back and I want to hurriedly, uh, read these few verses so you can pick up on his, his, uh, arrogance, independence and disobedience all of a sudden. In chapter number 13, He's supposed to wait on Samuel to come and offer up the sacrifice. He knew that because the first time he met Samuel, Samuel, the people were waiting on Samuel. They told him, said, well, all the people will not do anything until Samuel offers up the sacrifice. Why? Because he's the priest. And what Saul needs to understand is, is he's not the priest. He's the king. He can't be prophet, priest, and king all the same time. There was only one of those. But here he's taking sacred matters into his own hand. He is treading lightly on those places that, that are, are so holy. Notice what the Bible said in verse number eight. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, chapter 13. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither the burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. It came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because that I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord which he commanded thee. Verse 14, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. Now think about that. We can see the weightiness of his transgression. We can see the awfulness of what he has done in a sacrilegious way. As he has separated himself. He is, he's over being under the man of God. He's over being under the word of God. He's over being under the spirit of God. He's over. He's done with all of that little stuff. He's too big for that. Let us never, 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 don't come into the God's house as if that this word has no authority over you. Never get over the word of God. Never get over the man of God. Never get over the authority of the spirit of God. Never, children, never get over those parents that God has placed in your life. Never get over those humbled situations because if you do, you're in trouble. He's done. He's done with waiting. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm impatient. I'm not waiting anymore. He's done with the word. He's broken the commandment. He's even messing up the worship. There are just some things that you just don't need to mess with. And one of those things has to do with the holy things of God, desecrating them and defiling them and profaning them as, as Aaron's sons did. And they, they were, they were, uh, destroyed as a result of that. As, as Uzzah did when he touched the Ark of the Covenant and he died. As Belshazzar did when he took the instruments of the, of the, of the tabernacle and, and, and temple and put them, uh, to use in a, in a, in a drunken party. And God allowed all of Babylon to be destroyed or taken over. We do not want to be like Frank Sinatra. One of the songs he used to sing just prior to his leaving this world is, I did it my way. But the Bible said there is a way that seemeth right unto the man. 
but it's the ways of death. You see, he starts out with obedience, and now, even though he's in this position, and here's the fear of my heart, is I can play this religious role. I mean, I'm here as as the evangelist. I am the preacher. Uh, We are religious. We've already been baptized. We've already made our professions. And man, we've been in church for years. But it is right here, it is right here, that we can begin to reject the very principles of obedience in our lives. It starts in church. Disobedience. Getting over being under. I ain't going to let him tell me what. I'll tell you what, I'm just tired of it. That's what happened to the prodigal son. It was in the place where he was most loved. It was in the father's house where he was provided for and had all of that safety that he said, you know what, I'm tired of this. I want to go off into the far, far country. I don't want that old man telling me what to do anymore. May that not be our spirit. Two things, and I'll go to my last thought. He, he starts out being under and submissive, obedient. God brings him over. But then, sad to say, he gets over being under, and here's what happens. He becomes disobedient. At any age, disobedience will do more danger to you, your children, your husband, your wife, your family, your church, community than anything else. Because, you know, there was one door that was opened that allowed Satan to come in and work amongst humanity, and that was the door of disobedience, was it not? By one man's disobedience, all hell broke loose upon humanity, and we hadn't got over it yet. Think about that. Think about all that has happened to humanity because of one man's disobedience. Can you just imagine? No wonder, no wonder why the world is in the shape that it is in because of disobedience. By the way, I think I could say that if we go back in history to America's Foundation and beginning, and even as far up as the Constitution, that America seemed to be under God's principle, God's word. Because of the preaching of such men as Jonathan Edwards and, and George Whitfield and and uh, men of that nature, even Benjamin Franklin had, though he did not profess to be a Christian, he was greatly influenced in his thinking when it come time to, uh, in this matter of the laws of the land, by these preachers. The church had such power and uh, such influence. There was a day, there was a day when the church seemed to be under God. One nation under God. And as a result, God raised America up to make her the preeminent nation for the spreading of the gospel around the world. More missionaries, more preachers, more evangelists come out. And I'm going to tell you, especially North Carolina. Have you ever studied the history of North Carolina and the preachers and evangelists and so on that have come out of this one state? And I'm going to tell you why. Because our forefathers were under and obedient to God, and God raised you up, and as a result of that, I'm going to tell you the effect of what happened in just this, this state has touched the world because God brought you Obedience, the door of, I mean disobedience, the door of disobedience. Let the devil in, but there's only one door that's going to shut him out. You know what that is? It's the door of obedience. By one man's disobedience and then by one man's obedience. That is so in salvation. But that's so in our individual lives. The moment you disobey, maybe just something you think is humorous and you say to your husband, oh man, you ain't going to tell me what to do. Did you feel the breeze coming through the back door when the devil walked in? 
And we wonder why, and I say that as far as the men in disobedience to God and so on. Do you wonder why there's so much death as far as drugs and so much sin in America and why we're in such a fix that we're in? I'm going to tell you why. It's because of disobedience. We've, as a nation, we've got over being under. And as I think about my own family, I have looked back through the history of it to find maybe some influences of... And I, and I know somewhere back there, there was some Williamses somewhere that had to have known God. I just hadn't found them. I even went on the Internet and, and checked there. and It looked worse than what I already knew, so I shut that down. But somewhere back there, I'm sure that there was a William. Of course, you know there's only three kinds of Williamses. Anyway, no matter where you go. I don't know, there's probably a Williams here tonight. Uh, most places got some of them. But there's only three kinds. There's those that are real intelligent, those that's got a lot of money, and, and then us. So I don't know what you got around here. But did you get that? <laughs> but somewhere back there, there had to be, there had to be somebody that knew God. But what happened in disobedience, they picked up the bottle called liquor, it opened up the door, and honey, as far back as I can go in my generations, I buried four brothers and a dad because of alcohol, cirrhosis of the liver, and things of that nature. Somebody opened the door that destroyed generations! But I'm here to tell you as a 14-year-old boy, the Lord Jesus showed up in my life, and I accepted Him, and that door was slammed shut! You could have a hundred liquor stores all around this church. And it wouldn't faze me a bit. Because God has closed that door. And as far as I can tell, He's closed it in every one of my children's lives. And I'm praying in every one of my children, grandchildren's lives. I've got 13 of them. I hope the door He shut on me stays. I've just run the devil off. You say, well, how can I run him off? Get down and obey God! Run him out! He is under. God brings him over, but he gets over being under. Chapter number 15. It doesn't get any better. He's supposed to obey God. In this matter of the destruction of the Amalekites and even the animals, in verse 2 of chapter 15. But, verse 9 says, he spared them, spared the king, Agag. And the Lord said to Samuel in verse 11, It repenteth me that I have set Saul, set up Saul to be king, for he's turned back from following me, and hath not performed my Commandments, and it grieved Samuel, the man of God, is grieved. Notice in verse number 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I perform the commandment of the Lord. No, he's lying, he's being deceitful. And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell you what the Lord has said. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, which we have read, verse number 18, And the Lord sent thee on a journey. Verse 19, wherefore didst thou disobey? And the, verse 21, here's what Saul said, but the people took of the spoils and the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which have been utterly, should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord God of Gilgal, Lord God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as the iniquity, and as adultery. Let me give you this last thought. Saul 
is under, submissive, obedient. God puts him over. But then through pride and arrogance and independence, he gets over being under. He's not going to bow anymore. So then God does just the opposite. As he promised in his word, if you will raise yourself up, he said, I will bring you down. But if you will humble yourself, then I will raise you up. If you will be last, I'll make you first. But you get to being first, and I'm going to make you last. And here it is. Here's my thought. I want you to notice how that because that Saul, who was under, and God brought him over, and he got over being under. I want you to understand that what happened was God, in turn, brought him under. Everything he should have been over. Now underscore this. I spoke about America a moment ago. When America was under, God brought her over. But I'm sure, and I sense this from God's people across the country, I'm sure you realize that America is being sucked under. Educationally, financially, politically, religiously, nationally, Militarily, we're being brought under what for years God allowed America to be over. So it is in Saul's life, so it is in your life, and so it is in my life. He is being brought under. You said, well, what was Saul brought under? Well, I notice on three occasions he talks about the people making the decision. And he also says that he feared the people. He feared the people in verse number 24. He said, uh, I feared. Chapter 15, verse 24, he said, I feared the people. Well, that's an awful place to be. Is to be under the authority of, of the people. Do you, have you ever, have you ever thought about the nation of Israel, and what kind of people they were. I mean, if you follow their history, even back when they were nothing but twelve brothers, they tried to, they, they wanted to kill Joseph, they hated him, and then two of them wiped out a whole town of men. And when they became a nation, they became murmurers, and they were so rebellious toward God. It seemed as though on every level uh, they became nothing more than just reprobates. These people that are so wicked, these people called Israel at that time so wicked, he says, I fear them. In other words, somehow they've taken this thing over. But I'm going to tell you why they're able to take it over is because he wouldn't get under And God brought him under, and in necessity, they filled the void, and they got over. Again, so it is in America. You know it as well as I do, that it seems as though that the children are ruling the home more than the parents are. Most folks, when they go looking for a church, they're not looking for a place to where they can get fed and get helped and get strengthened. First thing they want to say is, what do you got from the children? Well, the old timers never even thought about that. They wanted to know, is God there? Are they preaching the Word of God there? Does the Spirit of God move there? Then I want my children in on it because that's where I'm going to go. It begins at the top and down. Everything seems to be turned upside down. In America, it's the wicked that seem to be in charge now. Have you noticed that? The wicked that seems to be in charge... And before before you want to blame that on the devil, I'm going to tell you something. It may be that God Almighty, as He did with Babylon, as far as Israel was concerned, and Syria, as far as Israel concerned, it may be our turn to have to submit to those evil forces that want to destroy the very workings of God and the people of God were being sucked under. 
And all hell will break loose once they get total and complete charge in America. Did you know that? Used to be the schools wouldn't even have any kind of sport games until they found out what the church felt about it. And now they don't even care. Now let's laugh about it. He's under the people. I'll tell you, an even worse tyrant than that, in chapter number 13 and verse number 12, he said to Samuel, when Samuel asked him about it, he said, I forced myself. He said, I don't tell you who made me do this. Myself made me do that. He said, I'm under, I'm not only under the people or society, but I'm under Saul, I'm under myself. And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, the worst ruler and tyrant in anybody's life is an old, unsubmissive, disobedient, Spirit, it'll drive you all the way into the far country and all the way down to the hog bin. It's what it will do. He's under the, the, the powers and influences of the people. He's under the power and influence of his, of his own. I've already seen what I can do to myself. I don't need to be in charge of anything by myself. Because I'll mess it up. I already know I'll mess it up. I mean, I know I'll mess it up. So what I want to do is keep bowing to the authorities that He's placed in my life and let Him be in charge. They have tried to kick God out of the schools, tried to get kick God out of the government, try to kick God out of the courthouse. They want to get rid of God because they just don't want to mess with that authority. But as a result, there's only one thing to be left with, and that is the rule of man. The rule of wicked hearts. I mean, he said, well, we are America, or uh, someone would say, well, we, you know, we're in a democracy. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to turn into a mob rule when the individual hearts who have already rejected God take over. He's even under the enemy. You know who Saul's, uh, it seemed to be his, his main thrust and goal to get rid of the sorcerer. Witchcraft. Rid the land of those evil spirits. But when we come down to the end, when he can't get a hold of God, you know who he goes to? The witch of Endor. To try to get some information, try to get some help. And she's afraid to even help him, though she does, because she don't know his soul. And she said, do you know what Saul's doing to us? She trembles. But yet, it's Saul who's requiring and asking of this advice. God has brought him under what he should have been over. How terrible that that is. In a nation, how terrible that is. In a family, how terrible that is. In an individual's life. Obedience or disobedience is the key to it all. It was that scientist, Isaac Newton, that came up with what was called the law of gravity, which is what goes up must come down. Every time, what goes up must come down. But I got an exception to that, that I believe is true. And that is what God raises up never has to come down. And the only person that can cause it to come down, God has raised Saul up, and the only thing that's going to bring him down is not the Philistines, nor the Amalekites, nor the people, 
nor the witch, the sorcerers. There's only one force that will bring him down, and that is Saul himself. And there is only one source that can hinder us and keep us from being the instruments of God in this old world to minister, to bring those up that need to be brought up by the grace of God, and that is us. We ourselves. And it is only when we remain humble. When thou wast little in thine own sight. Used to be an old preacher back in around Boone area. Waltauga County over there that I preached for. He passed away at 93, but he, he pastored three churches for one 50 years and the other two about 40-some years. Art Greer was his name. Never forgot it. And I remember preaching for him. I guess this was back in the 80s or so. And uh, a couple of the men were telling me a story about Art Greer. Just a very thin man, no taller than I am. And they said back, I don't know whether it was in the 40s or 50s, whenever it was, that there was a couple, there was a lady who died in the community. And the man went out of the community and found him a woman and moved her in, but didn't marry her. Here's the authority of the church in that day. They said little old skinny Art Greer went up on the porch and knocked on the door. And he said, now, mister, you got three choices. Said, you can either marry this woman, because we don't allow this in this community. Or, you can send her away, or you can move off. I said, well, what did he do? Said he got his furniture together, sold the house, moved off. I said, that's some kind of authority, isn't it? Unheard of, but God had put him over. God had raised him up. I'm thinking about an incident in the Civil War. The highest ranking officer in the Union Army that was killed in the Civil War, John Sedgwick was his name. He was a General happened at the Spotsylvania courthouse. And what his men were doing was digging trenches for the battle that was to come. But the southerners had some snipers, some sharpshooters that were shooting at them while they're doing that, and those bullets were just <laughs> flying by. And this general was on his horse riding around. This is recorded in history. You can look it up. He's riding around up on his horse and he got to hauling at his men and said, What are y'all afraid of, you bunch of sissies? Get down there and dig those trenches. The last word he said was, the last words he said, last recorded words was, they couldn't hit an elephant from there. Boom. Shot him right in the head. And he was dead. Somebody said, what do you think the problem was? He didn't have sense enough to get down. And I want to tell you, church, the key to God using us is having spiritual sense enough to stay humble and little in our own sight. And if we do, we will not have to ride the, the circle, the rigmarole that Saul did as he begins being little, but then he thinks he's big and then God has to bring him down. But he didn't just bring him down. Well, he brought a lot of other stuff down with him. And God can use us in two ways. He can use us, one, to take some things up if we'll stay down. But he'll use us to bring some things down if we get haughty and if we get proud. And you say, well, preacher, what do you think we ought to do? I'll tell you what we ought to do. When thou wast little in thine own sight, and let us always be obedient to the things of God that He has placed in our lives. And if we do, I don't care how dark the day gets, and the forces of evil come in upon us, God Almighty will keep us over.
so that he can raise some things up. Just get down. Let's stand. Bow our heads. I'm going to ask my wife if she will to come and play at the piano. I do believe that there's so much the Lord wants to do if He can find somebody who is little in their own sight. Can I say to you as an individual and also as a church, ask God to help you stay little. I had a preacher call me just... A few months ago, and he said, Preacher, I never was humiliated as much. said, a man walked up to me and said he lambasted me and humiliated me in front of many people. I said, how'd that make you feel? He said, little. I said, well, he done you some good. Because if it had made you feel big, it could have hurt you. Little will help you. Big will destroy you. And it may be that there's some things around you that God wants to touch. If once again you will submit your spirit to Him. Say to Him, Lord, have Thine own way. In this church. In my heart. As He raised Jesus up. can raise you up and raise up some things with you. While she sings, you be, the word is obedient. Obedient.